This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Hi, I'm Ralph Tucker from Tucker Media. The year 2020 has certainly presented challenges for everyone across the world. In 2020 Revision, I'll chat to a cross-section of the community about their experiences and learnings in this truly unique period of history. From business owners, to professional athletes, to new mums, everyone will share their stories. And to give it an authentic 2020 feel, I've recorded these chats at my kitchen table over Zoom. Rowdy McLean, welcome to 2020 Revision. Great to be here, mate. Now, you're Australia's most experienced leadership speaker, consultant, facilitator and mentor, so you're the perfect guy to to chat about 2020. How's it been for you? Well, what a year. I I think every single person listening to this would have the same sentiment, you know, like it's been the weirdest year ever and who could have ever predicted it to be the way that it has been? Like nobody saw it coming. You conduct a whole lot of live events around the country and what you do in the the public speaking space. So that, I imagine, pretty much would have gone out the window in March. So take me through it from your point of view and and what you had to do to survive in in 2020. Yeah, I I was uh, speaking at a conference in Adelaide on the 13th of March and uh, you could tell the change was in the wind then and I got on a plane to fly back to the Gold Coast on the 14th of March uh, by the time my plane landed, 50% of my forward bookings had disappeared and over the next week, the other 50% disappeared. And, and uh, no, I, I, I really wondered, you know, speaking at live events, what, what was going to happen. And I came to the conclusion that virtual was, was where it was going to end up. So I spent the next three weeks building a studio at my home and, uh, then I started doing weekly uh, masterclasses to get used to the art of presenting virtually and um, incorporating multiple cameras and sound decks and all the things that you thought you'd never have to do. And uh, I learned, you know, I, I went through three years of change in, in you know, less than three months and it was quite exhausting. But in the end, it turned out to be really rewarding because, uh you know, most people, I think, when the when the crisis hit, sort of went, oh wow, and 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 took a long time to pivot or shift. And and I, I was pretty fortunate that I got started earlier, and and I reaped the benefits of that. You know, I've I've actually done just as much business this year, but without leaving home, which is uh, sort of a terrific thing for me. The thing I I uh, didn't like about uh, being Australia's number one leadership speaker was that I was on and off planes and in and out of hotels all the time. So that was eliminated completely for me. So to be honest, uh, I've really enjoyed it. How did it change from your perspective in terms of the the interaction with with people? Obviously, there's something magnetic about being in, in a room full of people and talking them through your knowledge. What kind of techniques did you have to pick up to, I guess, have that same or a similar connection with people doing things virtually? The first thing I had to do was build a studio where I could engage people differently to the normal Zoom meeting, you know, where somebody sits there in their board shorts with a with a decent shirt on with poor lighting and a terrible background. I created a studio where we could have three different camera angles and, and shift between um, 
a presentation on a screen rather than on the computer screen. So you can actually see my hand gestures, my facial expressions at the same time as you can see the slide deck. Being able to pivot to a uh, to a flip chart and, and map out a model or an idea and then also um, shift to a, a background that was just a, a really nice presentation style background. And, and doing those three things and then finding ways to get people to engage in the conversation um, took a long time to learn. But, you know, I, after experimenting and trying different things, I found a way to make it work. And I've actually spoken to almost 20,000 people in the last uh, few months all over the globe. Like I've done presentations in the UK, in Asia, in the United States, right across Australia. Um, I've done a whole series up into the Northern Territory. It, it's uh, been pretty, pretty incredible, really. But, uh, you know, the other thing is, I, I think for me, my business was 100% face-to-face. And uh, in 2021, it uh, it'll go back to well, it's already going back to face to face. So I've uh, I've got a live presentation face to face every day this week, which is you know pretty exciting. And and I've been doing some now for the last few weeks, and I love the face to face and the interaction. You know that opportunity to uh, to bump shoulders with people over a cup of coffee that you never got before, or or to actually hear somebody laugh at a joke rather than hear crickets when uh, when you're doing it virtually. But I think uh, my business will end up at least 50% virtual. And, you know, I think that's the case for a lot of businesses right across the globe is uh, this, this forced change has really made us think about the way that we do business differently. And, you know, people had talked about um, creating a work-from-home environment for such a long time, but nobody really stepped into it. But when we were forced to do it, uh, we did it and we did it a little bit reluctantly saying, oh, you know, people won't be productive and we can't trust them and they won't work as hard. But all of the statistics show that they're actually more productive. You can trust them more and uh, they get more done with that flexibility. It's pretty crazy, right? But uh, the other thing about uh, I, I love about Australians is, you know, the government says stay home, um, practice really good hygiene, stay 1.5 metres um, and we sort of did all that without any resistance whatsoever, even in uh, Victoria where it was at its absolute worst. And and there was a, a little bit of ruckus about uh, what the Victorian government was doing, but people still embraced it. And, you know, now look at where they've gone. They've gone a month now with any without any cases. And it's because as Australians we go, all right, well, forces to change, we're, we're adaptable, we're flexible, let's get in and get it done. And we, I think we've done a really good job of it right across the, the nation. So if you look at the businesses that um, were, as you said, forced to make their, their workers work from home and, and that trust element that you, you mentioned before also about letting them do what they had to do. I mean, we're recording this via Zoom as per the 2020 norm from my kitchen table, which pretty much became the, the makeshift office. It became the makeshift classroom. What are the things that businesses learnt about doing things that way in, in 2020 and what will change in the, in the future in terms of that because of the, the fact that most people are, seem to be happy with the flexibility and also the, the cost involved with businesses, the, the fact that they don't have to lease so much office space these days. Yeah, well, what a big change. And I think all of the big organisations sort of knew that 
and they talked about it, but they never really had a go at it. But, you know, within a few months, Qantas was um, looking to get out of the lease of its main building in, in Sydney because it had, well, one, it had lost a lot of employees, but it also realised that people can work from home. And not only can they work from home, but uh, they're pretty good at it. And so I think a lot of companies have gone, this was a great test and yes, we can do it. I, I think they also learnt a lot about um, how many interactions somebody can put up with on Zoom. And, uh, you know, I worked with some big companies where they tried to do business as usual at, at the very beginning. But what was happening is people were doing seven or eight back-to-back -back Zoom calls in a day and it was just wearing them out. So, you know, it, it's different to being in the office where you can have a meeting and, and then sort of have a five-minute break and have a meeting. And, but uh, over, over Zoom, it just takes a little bit more energy and a, a little bit more um, focus and attention. So they realised that they had to cut the amount of Zoom calls that their team was doing drastically and, and make sure that, that uh, you know, the, the little things that could be done with a phone call got done with the phone call. And not only that, I think we realised, and we've known this for some time too, but... You know, nine out of ten meetings are useless to most people, and so they they went. Let's you know, if there's a meeting, let's not call everybody to it. Let's just if it's about marketing, let's just get the marketing people in, and you know if it's about uh, strategy, let's just get the strategy people. So instead of going, we'll have uh, twenty people on a on a Zoom call. They went, let's just get these three people. You know, and, and at the end of the week, we'll do a brief on, well, this is what happened in the marketing call. This is what happened in the strategy call. So everybody's on the loop. But I think uh, we found a way to operate really, really well in that environment. What was some of the feedback from the, the clients that you worked with in the, the leadership space? Those that seemed to prosper in 2020 were those that were able to turn on a dime they're able to adapt, and that's probably the, the key words, pivot, uh, another word that's sort of been bandied about in, in 2020. Those businesses seem to thrive, whereas the others that were caught standing still are probably still standing still. You are absolutely spot on, you know. There were so many businesses who went, we'll just wait for this to pass, and, uh, you know, with the idea that it would be gone in a couple of months, and then they went, oh, well, it's not gone, but yeah, maybe it'll be gone in six months. And and then, you know, um, it, it's not going to be gone for a long, long time, even when we get a vaccine, you know. But some of those companies are just now going, oh, maybe we do need to do something differently. Maybe maybe we need, do need to change it. And uh, they're so far behind the game, it's ridiculous. Like those companies, and for matter, that matter, those governments that went, let's pivot, let's create a new strategy and let's lean right into it, have all prospered, I think, done done really well under the challenges that uh, exist. The, the ones who sat on their hands, uh, they're lagging and they've lost all momentum. And it's going it, to, right now is not the time to try and get some momentum back because, you know, typically in Australia we uh, start to shut down on the 1st of December in the lead up to Christmas and we don't start to wind up again until the beginning of February. So those companies, not only have they lost the six to seven months that's happened to now, but they're going to lose those two months um, in the lead up to 2021. Where it's, you know, I remember saying to all my clients, so 
in that uh, those first few weeks of March, I got in touch with all my clients and said, look, uh, this is what happened in the global financial crisis. Um, we went through this uh, pattern and I think we're going to be exactly the same here. So we're going to go into shock where, uh, you know, how are we going to survive? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the business, my, me, my family? Then we go into survival mode. So how do we get by? How do we manage cash flow? How do we pay our mortgage? How do we uh, manage our health? Uh, and once we get through survival mode, we go into stabilised mode. And so that's when the new normal becomes predictable day in, day out. And you've got the same routine, very different to what it was pre-COVID, but you've got the same routine now. So the companies I was working with, once we got into stabilised mode, we went, let's start recovery mode Let now. So we were talking about recovery back in May, June, and, and, you know, what was that going to look like? How are we going to shape it? So now that the recovery is starting to happen, those companies are starting to go, we've got such a great strategy in place. We know the changes uh, that took place that we want to keep. We know the changes that took place that we want to get rid of. We, we've uh, also know the character that's been revealed, you know. So a, a crisis doesn't create character, it reveals character, you know, and we've seen that in, in so many businesses and in the political uh, spectrum where people have really stepped up and stepped into it. And, and so you know, the companies I work with have been able to look at those characters that have been revealed and the strengths that, that showed up that they didn't realise they had and their, their advantage in, in building uh, a business going into 2021. Let's touch on that political leadership. What were your thoughts on how our leaders, particularly in this country, and we'll touch on the overseas people in, in a moment, but your assessment of how our Prime Minister and our, our Premiers dealt with this unprecedented year? Yeah, look, uh, back in January, I, I did a piece on television about how badly Scott Morrison had handled the bushfire crisis with the trip to Hawaii and, like, it seems like forever ago now, but, you know, he just didn't connect with the people. Uh, he was forcing people to shake his hand and have conversations with him and uh, it was an absolute disaster in leadership. But what he learned between then and when COVID hit, like he obviously listened to all of the feedback or his team did, somebody advised him really well because I think he's dealt with COVID really, really well. Um, you know, I think his commitment, his uh, communication and the level of care that he's shown to the Australian population has been really, really quite good. And I think the other thing that we need to understand about leadership is when a crisis happens, like it's easy to deal with leadership when, uh, you know, your uh, approval ratings are high or if you're a business and the profits are great, it's really easy to lead there. The real leader shows up when, you know, things are really, really tough. And so to be fair to all of the, uh, all of the, Premiers and the Prime Minister, in tough times, I think they've done a really, really good job. Having said that, you know, there's been a couple of cases where, you know, particularly in Queensland, where politics has been played with people's lives. So I've been pretty disappointed about, about uh, you know, people that were dying in Queensland that whose family weren't allowed to go and spend that last few, few days with them and stuff like that and, you know, of the whole thing about uh, nobody being able to cross the border, but 48,000 people can go to the state of origin. It's just, uh, you know, you can't bring people's lives 
into politics in a crisis. So, you know, I think some of the premiers have uh, have done poorly in that regard. How do you get the right balance in that situation where you need to use empathy but you also need to use strength? How do you find that really nice balance so that you're appearing as if you're going to be a strong leader that is going to get people through a situation but also expressing empathy for those that are struggling? Yeah, it's a great question. And when I'm asked that by the leaders I work with, I tend to get them to think about the pub test. So so if you thought you were sitting down in a pub and there's a whole heap of people there that you know and uh, they're asking your opinion on it, if if the answer would generally get the tick of most of the people in the pub, you're probably on the right path. But, uh, you know, if you said... Uh, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to bar these people from being part of this, and the response is generally, you're kidding me, you're probably on the wrong path. I mean, leadership is an absolute art, but it's also not rocket science, right? And So uh, people people are really clever. They can tell when a leader, if you're, if you're making decisions that are self-serving, even though you can sell it with all of the spin you like, People in the pub go, no way, mate. That you know, that you got to get fair, Dickham. That's not, that's not the right thing to do. What about if we look overseas? I mean, obviously, vastly different experiences for people living in the United States and the United Kingdom. Granted, there's a, a much bigger population to to deal with over there. But your thoughts on, I, I guess, Donald Trump and, and Boris Johnson. Yeah, well, you know, for for two countries that have a tremendous amount of resources, you know, in terms of of the size of the government and and the size of uh, the teams that they can roll out to deal with things, I think they've been fairly ignorant of it, really. And, and I think they've uh, they've sort of played this uh, waiting game in favour of keeping the economy um, turning over, but. It's obviously cost a whole heap of lives. And, you know, now that Trump has uh, decided that he's sort of no longer president but not going to give up being president, mm-hmm. he's playing golf while people are dying in absolute droves. I think, you know, if you wanted a, an example of really poor leadership under these conditions, you could look at Donald Trump. If you want an example of really good leadership under these conditions, you could look at Jacinda Ardern, you know, she's... Uh, she went hard when everybody said you're going too hard, but look at what's happened to New Zealand and its economy. It's uh, rolling along nicely. Um, the restrictions on movement and the amount of deaths have been really quite quite small compared to the rest of the world. So what are the positive things we take out of 2020 when where leadership is concerned? What are the, the big lessons that perhaps some of our leaders have learned, some of our, our people in business have learned, even people in the community? What, what are those learnings? I, I think there's um, some great learnings. The first one is we're far stronger than we think, you know, and, and, and far more resilient than we think, and despite all of the challenges, like if you should have had, had have sat down in 2019 and said, listen, here's what we're going to do in 2020, we would have went, no way in the world, you're kidding me. But uh, because it was thrown at us at the way it was, we had to adapt fast and we did it. We did it and we did it really well. I think the other thing that uh, 
we fight change and, you know, pretty much every population in the Western world fights change and we want things to be comfortable and predictable and, and uh, the same all the time. So, so we know how life's going to be, but this has proven to us that we're actually quite good at change and uh, when it's thrown at us, as human beings, we're, we're adaptable and flexible and capable. And I think that's, you know, a lot of the clients I've been talking to, we've talked about running change agendas because the whole world is ripe for change right now. You know, we've been forced to change and we did it really, really well. So you know, if you were to walk into the office now and add another change to that, most people would go, yeah, okay, let's uh, let's shift. Let's If you can explain to me why and give me good reasons, I'll, I'll go with it. So I think that's a, that's something that's shown up. And I think um, I think the really good leaders have have really risen up, you know. And and uh, if I'm working with an executive team with fourteen to twenty people, I think we've found that there's two or three people in those executive teams who are just shining lights in an era of leadership that where trust and empathy are going to be the guiding factors for organisations for the next. Uh, you know, Price Waterhouse says tip through to 2030. So, you know, I, I think there's some leaders who have just shown that they're ripe to lead for the next 10, 15 years because of how they've shown up in a particularly tough time. Rowdy, you've been really generous with your time and we'll wrap things up in a sec, but I just want to get your thoughts on what you're looking forward to most in 2021. I think we're going to have uh, mental health ramifications from all of this, and and uh, I'm worried about that. But uh, but the, I'm worried. I'm excited about the fact that we are going to get be able to get together and rub shoulders around the water cooler and have those conversations that help us with all of those problems that aren't necessarily seen or talked about. You know, when you pop into the lunchroom, you have a cup of coffee, and you go, uh, you know. I know, I'm talking to Bob today and he just seems a little bit off and, and somebody else says, yeah, I saw that too. Maybe we should have a, you know, catch up with him and, and see how we can help him out. I think they're the things that have been missing and in 2021 we're going to get those back. And, uh, you know, I can't, uh, even in this month, the, just the joy of of uh, seeing people's facial expressions and body language and hearing them laugh or or watching them frown as you introduce a new idea or a concept, uh, all of the things that you, you I've missed in 2020. So I can't wait for all of us to be able to experience that opportunity to congregate um, as human beings as we so much love to do. So, Rowdy, if uh, people are interested in catching up with more of your content or, or uh, looking to engage with you, where can they find you? Uh, just go to my website, so rowdymclean.com, um, rowdy, R-O-W-D-Y, or you can send me an email at rowdy at rowdymclean.com. Rowdy McLean, thanks very much for joining me on 2020 Revision. You're most welcome. <laughs>